everyone. Welcome again to the Sermon Podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location in Belmont, Massachusetts. My name is Brian. I pastor that location, and it's good to talk to you again. All of us know what it's like to be tempted to do something we know we shouldn't do or to face the temptation to not do the thing we should do. In the verses we're going to look at today in the book of James, James tells us exactly where that temptation comes from and also where it will lead us if we follow it. It's an important lesson that we all need to learn. So I hope you'll enjoy this and I hope you'll listen closely because I believe God has something that he would like to say to you. We're going to be in James chapter 1 again this morning. We were there last week. We're going to be there again. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and grab a Bible if you don't have one or open up the Bible app on your phone or whatever it is that you do. We've made a conscious decision here for a few weeks not to put the words of the verses up on the screen. That's because we want you to get your fingers dirty in the pages of the book. And there's something different about reading the text itself than staring at a screen. And so I'd invite you to go ahead and pick up a book. If you're not sure where James is, if you're not sure where the book of James is, start in the back of the Bible. You'll see Revelation there. And then you keep working your way. If you hit the book of Hebrews, you went too far. Go back the other way, and you'll find the book of James. And we're in James chapter 1. Let me ask you a question this morning. What was your first job? Think back. What was the first thing you did that you received a paycheck for? What was your first job? I'll tell you, when I was 12, 13 years old, I got my first job. And my first job uh, was that I delivered the paper. Do you remember uh, when that used to happen? It doesn't happen anymore. Now a car drives by the by your house and throws a paper out the window. But it used to be that people would, you know, kids would ride their bikes and deliver the paper. And that's what, that's what I did, my first job. And, and I really had the privilege of delivering what I think is the premier newspaper in our, in our country, the place that everyone goes to get their news. And that is, of course, the Omaha World Herald, right? You hear about the New York Times and you hear about the Washington Post, but until the Omaha World Herald says it, uh, you know, it's not really news. So I delivered the Omaha World Herald in my neighborhood, and on Saturdays, I would have to get up really early to deliver the paper. Uh, during the week, it was actually an afternoon paper, but on Saturdays and Sundays, I had to get up at about 5 in the morning, and there would be a bundle of papers in the driveway, and my dad would help me. My dad and I, we would put rubber bands around all the papers, and then we'd go through the neighborhood and deliver all the papers. Then I did that on Saturday morning so I could do what I really wanted to do on Saturday mornings. And if you thought delivering the Omaha World Herald wasn't uh, Nebraska enough, uh, this is going to be even more Nebraska. Because after we got done uh, delivering the papers, we would drive to Two Rivers State Park almost every Saturday when it was warm or in the fall. And we would do one thing that I love to do, and we would go fly fishing for trout at the state park. Who has gone fly fishing before? Anyone? Thomas. Nice job, buddy. Naba. All right. Some other people. You've gone fly fishing. Excellent. Care. Excellent. Excellent. Carrie is experienced. So we're fly fishing. And if you've never been fly fishing before, here's, here's the deal. Here's, here's the goal. You have uh, something that looks like it should be an insect, but it's not, of course. It's just feathers and strings that are tied together in a certain way to mimic an insect. And you're playing off the fish is desire. So this was brown trout that we would fly fish for. The, the fish itself has a certain innate desire inside of it. It wants to eat. 
And there's a certain way that the fish eats. So the fish is quiet in the early morning hours under the water, and it's just waiting for that moment that a bug lands lightly on the surface of the water, and then it pounces. And it's not something that, that necessarily the fish controls. It's just an innate desire. It's, a, it's an innate need that if the conditions are just right, the fish will grab at the insect. Well, the job of the fisherman or fisherwoman is to mimic that exact same motion. And I can tell you, when you're fly fishing, if you get it wrong, the fish will not bite. The line lays across the top of the water, and if the line doesn't lay across the water perfectly so that you mimic the landing of that bug on the top of the water, the fish will know uh, that there's something going on and it won't bite. But when you get it perfect, and this is what I love about fly fishing, it happens almost instantly. That bug hits the top of the water and the fish jumps out of the water. And then if the fish acts on that impulse, it does not go well for the fish. I don't know if you know about this. But from that point on, things are not good for the fish. It's good for me because the fish would end up on my grill in tinfoil with bacon and butter and lemon, but not so good for the fish. Now, we get to James chapter 1 here. And James is actually going to use fishing language, the same idea, whether you're fly fishing or whether you're using some other sort of bait, he uses fishing language to talk about mistakes, a mistake that you and I make in our lives. And there's some of us sitting in the room that are making this mistake right now, and James is going to call us out on it. There's some of us that are right on the verge of biting. We're just waiting for the right thing to come across our path, and we're ready to bite. And James is going to warn us this morning about what will happen if we take that action. And so we're going to look at James chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. And James is going to give us something here that I think is really important for us to understand. In fact, it goes right to the heart of what it means to follow God and what it means uh, uh, to have a relationship with him. And this is what he says. Blessed is the man, he says in verse 12, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. If you were with us last week, you know that as we started James chapter 1, we talked about trial and what James says to you and to me when we face trial in our life. And in those verses, James said, consider it all joy when you, chase, when you uh, face various trials of all kinds. So in the first part of his chapter, he's talking about anything that you might face that you consider a trial. In these verses, he narrows it down. And he talks very specifically about one type of trial. And that is the trial of temptation. Temptation is an interesting thing, isn't it? 
Temptation is something that promises to fulfill desire. And when James talks about temptation, he uses this fishing language right there in verse 14. He says it this way. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. You think about the world that James grew up in. James, as we said last week, uh, is a half-brother of Jesus, same mother, different fathers, right? And he was a half-brother of Jesus. They grew up together, and they were in a fishing community. So fishing language would make sense. James knows to whom he is writing. And he says temptation is when we are lured and enticed by our own desire. And those same words that he used there, lured and enticed, it's the same picture of that fly landing on top of the water or of the, the uh, fake worm traveling by a fish underneath the water, just tempting that fish to go ahead and take a bite. You see, you and, and me and really everyone that we see we all have at the very base, at the very core of ourselves, similar desires, don't we? In fact, I think when God created us, he put within us certain desires. And really, I would argue that no matter who you meet, from whatever culture they come from, or uh, whoever, however old they are, or whatever they look like, we all have the same basic desires. And they're desires surrounding things like the need for relationship and intimacy, the need for purpose and significant, some sort of fulfillment in our lives. So at the very core of us, we all have these desires. Now, temptation is what comes along and promises to in some way fulfill those desires for us very quickly. So it's like when you were a child and uh, Someone made a hot plate of cookies. Maybe your mom, maybe your dad, number, maybe grandma or another adult made, a, made a, a, a fresh batch of cookies. And you were watching with great uh, intent the cookies being made. You could smell the aroma as the cookies were baking. And then the cookies came out and they were placed on the warming rack and they were warm and they were soft and they were gooey. And then grandma or mom or dad or aunt or uncle, whoever looked at you and said, listen, don't touch the cookies. And then they left the room. <laughs> and you were sitting there with the cookies. And something started to happen in your head. A voice said, you will be a happier person if you don't listen to what they just told you to do and you eat this cookie now. And you're a happier person until they return and notice a cookie. Gone, right? Temptation doesn't change as we get older. It's the same basic idea. God says to you and to me, do this. Or God says to you and to me, don't do this. And temptation comes and says, don't listen to that voice. If you do it this way, you will be happier. If you do it this way, your desires will be satisfied. And no matter how old we get, no matter how big the issue gets, the basic form of temptation and what it promises doesn't change. Temptation promises to satisfy our desires quickly. And as, as James is talking about temptation in these verses, he, he gives us two things, two questions that James answers about temptations. And the first question that he answers about temptation is he tells us exactly where temptation comes from. So he says, temptation, where does it come from? And James tells us. 
And the first thing he tells us is it doesn't come from God. And I think that strikes me as a little odd that James would feel like he needs to say that, that temptation doesn't come from God. But the more you think about it, the more I think we realize that in our lives, when we choose to give in to temptation, we can rationalize that God's okay with it. Adam did it in the Garden of Eden, way back at the beginning. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. Do you remember this story? Even if you didn't grow up in church, maybe you heard this one before. There was one tree in the Garden of Eden, right at the beginning of time, that God told Adam and Eve to not eat from. Eve eats from the tree, is convinced by the snake to eat from the tree. Then she gives the fruit to Adam, and he also eats. Now, Grandma comes back in the room, and there's a cookie missing. God comes into the garden, and he knows someone has eaten from the tree. And he finds Adam, and he says to Adam, Adam, did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat from? And Adam says to God, I confess. I did it. It was my fault. It's not what he says at all. Genesis chapter 3, verse 12, he says this. The man said, the woman who you gave me, she gave me the fruit from the tree and I ate it. Right from the very beginning, Adam said, listen, this is not me making a bad decision here. This is circumstance. And by the way, this never would have happened except for you gave me this person who is all at fault here. And from the very beginning, we would fall to temptation and begin to place blame on others and place blame on God. And certainly this happens today. Think about even the big temptation that you see people giving into in the world around us, the big temptations that people give into, and even the small ones. We might give into something small. Let's say we give into gossip. And someone comes and says, and says to us, uh, you should not have given in that temptation to gossip. What do we say? Well, it wasn't me. Well, it was the circumstance. And I think God would understand why in this situation I had to gossip. And James says, just be careful because none of that comes from God. There's no God understands that this time the fly hit the water perfect and so you bit and it's okay. James says every single time temptation comes, it is coming not from God, it's coming from somewhere else. It's actually coming from your desires, James says. It's not coming from God. It's coming from your desires. Reminds me of a story that I heard a pastor named David uh, Jeremiah tell one time. He said that there was a, a young boy and his sister, brother and sister, and they were fighting over a toy. And the brother took the toy and the sister went up to the brother and she pushed him and then she kicked him. And the mom saw it all happen, and the mom came, and she said to her daughter, she said, what you did is not right. In fact, you know what? The the devil made you do this. The devil told you to push your brother and to kick him. And the girl looked back at her mom and said, you know what? The devil may have told me to push him, but kicking him, that was my idea. (laughs) And James would say, you know what? You're, You're right. Her theology is pretty good. James is saying, you have desires inside of you, and temptation is coming out of those desires. It doesn't come from God. It doesn't come externally. You have desires inside of you, and temptation comes along, and it's, it, it's, it's powerful because of the desires that are within you, not because of what's outside of you. You and I have desires for intimacy, for fulfillment, for satisfaction, for purpose. 
temptation comes along, and whatever the temptation is, it promises to fulfill those things in short order. So for James's uh, first century audience, if you remember back to last week, he's writing to people that are persecuted and displaced. Their largest temptation, and you'll see it in other places in the book, their largest temptation is to fight back and to wrong those who have wronged them. And James is saying, be careful. That desire, that desire to wrong other people, that's not coming from God, that's coming from within you, and it's a wrong way to go. And any temptation that we have, whether that surrounds relationships or gossip, making ourselves look better than other people, lying on your resume, stealing something from work, a relationship that you know you shouldn't be involved in, something around surrounding sex, pornography, drugs, addiction, anything that you might categorize under the label of sin. James is saying the reason temptation is so powerful is because it comes from within you. And that's where temptation comes from. And James says, be careful that you don't bite. Because the other question that he answers is not just where does temptation come from. The other thing he says is he tells us exactly where temptation goes. It's not just where does it come from, but where does it go? Just like the song, Cotton-Eyed Joe. Where does it come from? Where does it go? This is what he says in verse 15. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, brings forth death. Then desire, when it, is, when, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And James says, listen, it's not much unlike the situation with the fish. The fish has a desire. Temptation comes, and the fish bites, and it leads that fish to a place that it never wanted to go. James says, when you sin, you are attempting to fill the void of that desire in your life. Temptation promises to bring about fulfillment in short order. There's a 20th century philosopher and, and thinker named Simone Veal, and she said that all sins are attempts to fill voids. That's why we do it. We're trying to find satisfaction. We're trying to find purpose. We're trying to find meaning. We're trying to gain intimacy. And so we try it over and over and over again. Do you ever see one of those uh, optical illusions? If you go down to the Museum of Science, they have a lot of these, and you've probably seen it online. One of those where it shows you two lines and it asks you which one is shorter. You've seen something like this before. It says which one is shorter, and surely one of them does look shorter, but then you find out that they're actually the exact same size. It's an illusion. And James says, where does temptation come from? Well, it comes from our desires. And where does it lead you? Well, if you give in to temptation and you sin, it will ultimately take you someplace that you don't want to go. And then he uses this phrase. He says, do not be deceived. It's an illusion, he says. That whole thing that temptation is going to fulfill your heart and fulfill your soul the way that you want it to, it's just a giant illusion. It can't deliver the way that it says it's going to. You know, sometimes I'm taken aback by my own foolishness and by the foolishness of our, of our world that would over and over again believe that giving into temptation and doing the things that God says not to do or ignoring the things that God says to do is somehow going to satisfy the deepest desires of our soul. And so we buy into this lie 
that somehow if we have enough material possessions, like that if we all had a smartphone, we would somehow have happiness. And, and even though it's never worked for a different generation, even though for centuries people have been trying to find happiness in material possessions, and, and we know it didn't work for any of them, we still will buy into the lie that it just might work for us. And even though people that have lived for centuries and centuries, they, they thought that they tried to find ultimate fulfillment in relationships and sex, and they tried over and over and over again, and every single time it didn't work, we still somehow buy into the lie that somehow if we just pursue it there, we'll find ultimate fulfillment there. And sometimes I'm, I'm, if I think about it, I'm taking it back, why haven't we learned Why haven't we learned? Because we all have these desires that need to be fulfilled. And temptation comes along and promises to fill them quickly. And sometimes it's so easy to bite. But James says to you and I, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. It will not deliver what it promises. So what do we do instead? Well, James says this in verse 16. He says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. And then he says, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, which, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of creation. James says, you have desire. Temptation promises to fulfill it, but can't. The only one who can fulfill that desire is God himself. Now, have you ever been with someone who's driving, who loves to take shortcuts? But whenever they take a shortcut, you roll your eyes because you know they just added 10 minutes to the trip. You ever had that experience before? Have you ever been with someone uh, who refuses to follow the GPS, even though the GPS is definitely correct. Uh, especially, you know, I love to use Waze. I don't know if anyone else uses Waze, but it's the real-time traffic information. And sometimes I'll think I know better than the, than the app on my phone. Like somehow, even though the app is, is taking data from hundreds of thousands of drivers around me, that I have this secret way that the people in making the algorithm couldn't come up with. And I'll try, and every single time I try my own way, it always takes longer. It never goes well for me. But sometimes I just can't help myself. I think I know better. And James says to us, listen, sometimes God's ways seem longer. They seem like they're going to take a longer time. You're single, and you're waiting for the right person. And God says, I will take care of this. And it seems like it's going to be a much longer road. But if you bite on temptation and go where God tells you not to go, it will be in the end a much longer road than if you listen to God the very first time. If you're married and you're trying to figure it out, and it's tough right now, and temptation comes, And it would be so easy to bite and to go your own way. It feels like such a shortcut to finally receiving the the intimacy and the fulfillment that you're not receiving in your marriage right now. James would say to you, that looks like a shorter road. That is going to be a much longer road than you want to take. 
Maybe you're trying to get ahead when it comes to success. And so the temptation would be to bite and to do something a little unethical or to lie to a colleague to make yourself look better or to put other people down so that you raise your own status. And James would say, I know that feels like a shortcut right now. I know that that would satisfy your desire temporarily, but you are headed down a road that's much longer than you want to go down. And sometimes God's road seems longer That's why we don't want to take it and we'll bite on the temptation. But James is saying to us, where temptation promises good gifts, God actually gives them. Temptation promises good gifts, but God is the one who actually gives them. He is the perfect one. And no matter what your situation is, no matter what it is that you're walking through, whether you're living in the first century and you're displaced from your home and you're being persecuted, or you are today walking through a difficult time in your family or a difficult time in your marriage or you're lonely or you're depressed or whatever the situation is that you're in today, God doesn't change. God is still the good God who gives good gifts to his people. In fact, James uses the language, he said, God doesn't change like the shifting shadows. Temptation does. Temptation can look so good, and then time happens, and the shadow comes from the other direction, and all of a sudden you see temptation for what it really is. But God doesn't change like the shifting shadows, James says. God stands at high noon all the time. He looks the same no matter what is going on in the world. And he is good. He gives good and perfect gifts to his children. And that doesn't change. C.S. Lewis, the author and philosopher and thinker, he describes it this way. He had a friend in the 30s. And his friend uh, didn't understand why C.S. Lewis believed in God. And some of the issues that are big issues today around uh, sex and same-sex attraction, this uh, gentleman back in the 30s asked C.S. Lewis this very question. And this is how C.S. Lewis described it. He said, if you're walking your dog and the dog is on a leash, you can see things that the dog doesn't pay attention to. And let's say you're walking your dog and you can see that the way the dog is going and the way that you're going, that you're going to end up wrapped around a telephone pole or a parking meter, that that parking meter or telephone pole is going to come in between the two of you. And so now the leash is going to be wrapped around that pole. What do you do? Well, C.S. Lewis says you pull the dog back onto the big part of the sidewalk and you pass that pole and avoid the danger. And he said, it's kind of like that when we follow God's law. God sees things that we can't see. God knows how to fulfill our desire better than we could ever fulfill it ourselves. And sometimes we think we know how we can fulfill desire. And we head off on our own way because there's something that looks like it's going to meet our needs. Something that looks like it's going to satisfy our soul. And God's law is designed to pull us back to where our desires will actually be met in him. You see, God created you. And the only way to perfectly have your deepest desires met is to find them met in your creator. Temptation will promise you something else. Temptation will promise you it will give you good gifts, but God's the one who actually gives them. So here's the question for you this morning. Where in your life right now Are you tempted to shortcut the process of God in your life 
and to trade it all in for a quick fulfillment that will actually lead you down the wrong road. See, some of us in the room this morning, some of us in the room, we've already bit. We're already being reeled in, and we know it. We already have succumbed to looking at those images on our computer that we know we shouldn't look at, and it's tough to stop. We've already given in to anger that we shouldn't have given in to, and now that we've given in to it, it is difficult to stop. We've already given in to a relationship that we knew we shouldn't have given in to, but now that we're in it, it's difficult to stop. And the good news for you today is that the greatest gift that God has given you and that God has given me is his son, Jesus Christ, through whom, if we would turn to him, repent of our sin, ask God for forgiveness, he would forgive us and yank us back and put us back right where we should be. It's not the funnest process in the world sometimes, but God will forgive us and redeem us and restore us if we would ask him to. But some of us in this room, we haven't bitten yet. We're just laying underneath the water and something has come along. It's the new opportunity that promises something that, that we know God is telling us not to take for some reason. It's the relationship that we know we shouldn't get involved in. It's the, it's the, it's the thing that we know we shouldn't be watching. It's the thing that we know we shouldn't be taking in. It's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the chance to get back at someone that we know we shouldn't do, and that temptation is just hanging out there. And you this morning are just about to bite. James would remind you that if you bite... It will take you down a road that you do not want to go down, and it will never fulfill the depths of your soul the way you think it will. You have a God who loves you and gives good gifts, perfect gifts, designed to bring you to him that you might have your deepest longings and desires met in him where have you forgotten this and are trying to meet those desires someplace else? This morning is this morning to ask for repentance, to, to seek repentance, to ask for forgiveness, and to come back and to find your desires met in your Creator. I'm going to invite our worship team to come forward as we close this morning. And as they do, I'd invite you, if you would, just to bow your head and close your eyes. And maybe you would take a couple of moments here to that place in your life where you know you're harboring resentment, where you know you're harboring anger, where you know you're gossiping, where you know you're lying about other people to make yourself look better, where you know you are not doing the thing that God has called you to do, or you're ignoring the thing that you're not supposed to do. Where are you taking in things into your heart, into your mind that you know you shouldn't? Where are you biting on temptation? This morning is a morning to ask God for forgiveness and to remind yourself that the things of this world will never fulfill the deepest longings of our hearts and souls the way they promise to. Would you this morning find your fulfillment in your creator who loves you and gives you good gifts? God, we thank you for the truth this morning that no matter what happens in this world, you are good. And God, because of the desires inside of us, because of the changing landscape of this world, 
it can look so good sometimes to go and try to have our desires met somewhere else. So God, this morning, we repent of those places in our lives where we have sinned against you because we've gone and looked for fulfillment somewhere else. God, thank you that through Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness in you. Thank you that there is restoration available in you. And God, for those of us that are on the verge of heading down a road that we know that we should not, God, give us the strength this morning by your spirit to avoid temptation and to pursue you instead. We pray it in Jesus' name. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. and in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Each week that we gather, we do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website at mounthope.org, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E dot O-R-G, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at mthopebelmont. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you listen again next week.